and welcome to Don't Tell Us What To Do. I'm your host, Erica Shackelford, life coach and registered nurse. I'm Shira Sharifi, doula extraordinaire. This isn't your typical self-development podcast. We're here to challenge the status quo, debunk social norms, and empower women to rewrite their own narratives. Through candid conversations and expert interviews, we'll share our personal experiences with you and practical advice to help you navigate the roller coaster of life. But wait, it's not all serious business. We believe in having fun along the way. So buckle up and get ready to laugh, cry, and everything in between as we navigate the ups and downs together. From career advice to relationships, self-care, to personal growth, we've got you covered. So if you're ready to ditch the rule book and embrace endless possibilities, hop on board. Don't worry, this ride is anything but ordinary. Welcome to Don't Tell Us What To Do, where we're redefining what it means to live life on our terms. See you there. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Don't Tell Us What To Do. Hey, hey, hey. I'm really excited about today's episode because I think it came at the perfect time. We had decided that we wanted to talk about, well, Shira specifically wanted to educate us on postpartum depression, specifically for all the girlies out there. And it came at the perfect time, right when the CDC? The FDA. The FDA. The FDA just approved. Just approved the pill for women because women's medicine never gets supported. So, but that's a whole nother conversation. We'll have it another day. Yes. (laughs) So I'm kind of going to be interviewing you today a little bit because this is like your expertise. And as someone who has suffered from depression and have friends that are pregnant that also have suffered from depression, I know that it's something that constantly is in the back of people's minds, especially if they want to have babies. And I also think like so many women suffer from it and they don't even realize they're suffering from it. So I'm so excited to hear everything that you have to say today and to bring this information to everybody. Let's dive in. Yeah. So first thing, first thing first, I want to know, can you actually define postpartum depression? So in a sense, yes. So you know, depression is depression. And the reason why we call it postpartum is because that relates to after birth. Mm -hmm. Um, what many don't know actually is that you can start to already have a mood disorder, um, while you are pregnant. So it already starts the second that you're pregnant. And then afterwards, when you have the baby, it's postpartum. Um, when you look at statistic wise and research and whatnot, the, they say like there's environmental factors that could be associated with it. So like family, um, is there personal history of depression? Let's say like our moms had depression and then we had a kid mm-hmm. that ups the chance of us potentially having postpartum depression. Um, also stressors. And then you got to think the number one thing is our hormones are changing. So when we are pregnant, you are holding a whole other entity and your body is preparing to birth this whole other entity. Um, and that brings, it brings stress and hormonal changes. Um, now, every postpartum is different overall you know some most women after two weeks they will be able to just I don't want to say get up and go but they'll feel good enough to be okay and they'll just have what they call like the two-week postpartum blues um but then afterwards if it prolongs then that's when you know like you are really suffering from postpartum depression and either women find that they can exercise to feel better or they end up getting on medication. It really depends on the severity of it. Yeah. Yeah. And because this podcast is called Don't Tell Us What to Do and we fucking hate being told what to do by society, I really wanted (laughs) I really wanted to talk about to like 
what are some societal norms, expectations around women with postpartum depression? Like, what's the history there? So when you think about it, um, most men, I don't want to say all, because a lot of men really do educate themselves on it, but they don't know, they don't understand the hormonal changes that a woman goes through while she's pregnant and after. But do most women, but do most women understand like their hormonal change, whether you understand it or not, you feel it. So you you learn to understand it. You know what I mean? (laughs) I just was thinking like, also, like, I feel like most women don't even understand like the different phases of their cycle. You know what I mean? So I'm curious, like, if women truly understand like the actual hormone fluctuation that is happening inside of their body. Right. So that's the thing. So a lot of women actually don't even know that they have postpartum depression. They just think like, Oh, you know, if we want to talk about societal norms, you think, well, yeah, I just feel like super tired. So that's probably normal. Why I feel sad. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I just birthed a baby and I haven't slept, but it's okay. You know, and then they'll just keep going on and on with their days and not realize like, wait a minute, this feels a lot worse than a typical, just, um, well, I don't want to say typical, but like a regular type of depression. Um, you know, I just got to word that carefully. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. um, I mean, depression comes in different waves for sure. Like as someone who has been clinically diagnosed with chronic depression, like I can, that was perfect. Like depression comes in different levels, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now a fun, I mean, not fun fact, but (laughs) not a a fun fact, fact. (laughs) but a shocking fact fact is um, that one in eight women actually suffer from postpartum depression. Um, and now the, the one thing that I'm really happy is that it's talked about a lot more back, you know, when we're talking like the time when my mom had me, right. She didn't even know what postpartum was, let alone, you know, the word. Yeah. Um, she knew she felt sad. She knew she felt some disconnection with me, but she wasn't, aware that this was something hormonal and environmental that is going on and that she could like potentially get that help and that support. Um, and back like in her time, like she just, she had her mom. Um, but as much as she had the family, even like her mom, for instance, like my grandmother didn't know what postpartum was. Their thing was taking on that quote unquote, you know, societal norm of I'm a woman who just birthed my baby. I'm there to take care of her, um, or her or him, feed the baby, dress the baby, do the whole thing, the whole rundown. And your whole focus is just the baby, not, you know, the, the woman it's herself that just birthed the baby. Um, that happens now even I feel like right I feel like women even now are still trying to and I mean I can't even imagine what it was like back then that's why I think I was born at the perfect time but like I you know women are so conditioned to place their needs last but I do that all stems from social conditioning like for so long that was our role right Right. Exactly. We're, we're known to be the one in the kitchen, you know, we're the ones that the cook and the clean and the, you know, take after the, the household, you know what I mean? Versus like, Hey, we just birthed a whole baby and we really need to heal our body. Now it's our body. It's our mind. It's now rebalancing our hormones. So now thank God, you know, we have so much resources, there's support groups, um, support groups that even I'm starting, I started to host um, pregnancy circles and postpartum circles. Um, I also have other doula friends who do it as well. So it's like, if one day you can't make it, at least you have another date that you can make it. We have um, doctors with the expertise in postpartum depression. So luckily, if let's say you, you want to opt out to something, um, 
medically and not take like an antidepressant, there's more holistic ways that you can go about it. Now, again, like depending on your severity, you may actually need that medication, but some women regardless want to opt out. They don't want to go with um, taking medication. Yeah. How do you think we go about like debunking these societal norms? Because I'm like, you know me, I'm a big person, like get to the root problem. And I do think that like bringing awareness to this type of stuff is obviously like super beneficial. And I think like, no, like letting women know that there are resources is great. And we're going to get into that a little bit later, but like, what are there any other ways in your mind that you think that like we as a society could like debunk some of this and like really stand behind I, I, I'm like I'm in my head I'm like laughing because like you know I work in surgery so like yeah people have surgery and everyone's like oh yeah like take time off like you're re- even like a month into recovering from something people are like well you just had surgery like But in America, women are literally, I think like at my job specifically, and I've worked at a lot of hospitals across the nation and literally women are allowed, like one place I worked was like 48 hours up to like two weeks. And it's like, I don't understand if someone has surgery, I feel like people are more understanding and empathetic. And I almost think it comes down to this idea that women can hide their pain Cause we're just so used to it. Right. Like, and I don't mean like emotional pain. That is something, but I also mean like physical pain. Like we don't have a choice, but to go to work when we're on our period, we don't have a choice, but continue with life when things are happening. And I, I mean, like, I want to hear your perspective, but don't you think that that also like plays a role in it? Like people just assume that we can just come back and get it done because we're not showing this, like, debilitating pain that we're in when in reality, like our bodies just did something miraculous. Yeah. So like, yeah. What, are, what are ways you think we could like debunk some of this stuff, men and women? Education is number one, really educating yourself. Even if you don't have a child yet, you know, you're, you're going to obviously have friends that are going to be going through postpartum. What are ways that you can best support them? Um, Just giving them all the necessary needs. So for instance, a great example is while she is healing, rather than focusing on the baby, Mm -hmm. tell, tell your partner or tell whoever, let's say wants to come and visit do the dishes, go grocery shopping, bring the family food. Um, Oh, wow. I love this. Yeah. Have her just go take a nap even for two hours, you know, anything to really help her heal. Mm. Um, Bring her like a gift basket that has all these like amazing postpartum goodies. So like one of the things that I always have my mamas do is um, create padsticles. That's what we call them. Yeah. So cre- tell the, I know what padsticles are, yeah. but tell, yeah. cause you, cause I helped you create your ebook, but what are, yeah. if you haven't downloaded Shira's ebook and you're pregnant, you absolutely should. What are padsticles? So essentially you get a pad, you put witch hazel and aloe vera on it, and you can also put a little bit of lavender and it soothes your vajayjay after you give birth. Um, you, you could also use freezer. those after a rough night. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Apparently that too. <laughs> Honestly, like even on your period, right? Like when things are just bothering you and hurting. That's true. I haven't yeah. thought about that. That is so true. What else though, besides education? Wait, I um, want to, I want to touch on something yeah. that you mentioned. Cause I think this is really fucking cool. So my best, you I mean, you know, my best friend is pregnant right now. And I have been thinking about ways that I could be supportive to her, like after she gives birth. And I'm not a person who's like, I'm not a buy a gift person. I'm more of like an action person. I'm like, how can I show up for you? Like physically. Right. And I love what you said about in, I feel like so many people show up and they like bring food or they just want to play with the baby or they bring you like some sort of gift. And it's like, if we're really intentionally thinking about what mama needs, 
Mama needs time. She needs sleep. She needs rest. She needs rejuvenation. So like, what kind of things can we like, like, I love thinking about that. Like, how can you show up for someone in a way that is actually most beneficial to them? Because like, I know that so many people want to see the baby right away, but that's really about you. You wanting to see the baby is about you, right? Like, let's try to like, the baby's going to be there. Let's try to like refocus on the mama a little bit. And I love what you said, like, you know, like coming over and saying like, go take a nap for three hours or like coming and doing the dishes, like cleaning the house. Like, I think even asking someone like, what ways can I support you besides seeing the baby would be most beneficial to you? Totally. So I love that. I love that so much. You froze for a second. Got you back. Oh, okay. Good, good, good. My internet's <laughs> been acting really funky lately. So it's mine too. Okay. Well, we're in Florida guys and the weather's insane. Here, yeah. So, like, you know, it's one minute it's sunny and the next minute we're in a, like a category four hurricane and then we're right back to sunny. <laughs> yeah, totally. I love it though. Actually, I must say when it's hot, but then it rains, it gives you like kind of that cool down. But anyway, let's not... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Anyway, to the weather. (laughs) Okay. Wait, I want to go back. Cause I love what you said. I think that's great. I think for people listening, like keep in mind, if you know someone that's pregnant, like how can you show up for them in a way that's not a fucking gift? Like how can you come over and like, give them time, give them energy, give them peace, give them love. Like I love that so much. Okay. Simply even asking them, how can I best support you? Listen, majority of the time they don't even know themselves because they're so delirious and half the time also you're so tired from especially if you're breastfeeding um you burn like a shit ton of calories when you breastfeed so imagine you're delirious and then if you don't have some healing nourishing foods like broth or something warm to really help you on your healing journey you're going to be a zombie so having someone there again, like whether it's your partner or your friend being like, Hey, I'm coming, coming over. I'm just going to drop food off. Or if they're like, Hey, you know, okay, can you come in? You go into their house, feed them, tell them, Hey, why don't you go take a nap? If I got the baby or whichever. And Um, I think a huge component of this too. And you, I mean, I can relate to this is you have to be open to receiving help. Yes. yes. Right. Cause so many women are so used to doing everything on their right, own. Right. That it's like, you're an automatic robot. Like, Oh, well, I'm the one that has to do the dishes. I'm the one that has to do this. Well, I'm the one feeding the baby. So why should I even ask for help? How are they going to even help me if I'm the one providing the food, but there's, so many, so many ways. I mean, something even as simple as, um, for instance, one of my mamas, she's like, Shira, I have a clogged duct, you know, what can I do? And she was in pain and I made sure to give her some warm compress, like you could do hot or cold. It really depends on yourself. Um, sometimes even just alternating massaging. So just showing her how to massage and then her doing that and massaging herself while I'm holding the baby. Um, Even a simple, I swear, like, well, I would say a phone call, but sometimes, you know, they don't really want to be on the phone. (laughs) But you could voice memo, you could send a voice memo. Yes. You could send a voice memo saying like, you got this, like, I'm thinking about you. Like, I love this. I love everything you're saying. I think this is also like, I'm coming up with ideas in my own head. Okay. The next thing I want to ask you about, because we know that the mind and body are connected, right? But I also want to talk about separately for a second, like how does postpartum, I mean, and also you can do this in combination too. It doesn't matter because they are connected, but like, how does postpartum affect the body and the mind? So as your hormones change, you know, you're got to think about like, I mean, this also, you could get into your medical reasoning. So, you know, your, your progesterone level and your estrogen level and your 
right levels are like so bonkers so how to like level them out um it's it is scary because for some women their depression gets so bad to the point that they have suicidal thoughts Mm -hmm. um even thoughts of like harming their child not to say that they will but you can get to that point or some women even like if they're not getting enough sleep they go into a psychosis which I've actually witnessed um wait but can we also like I want to just stop here briefly for a second because I feel like so many people like okay for instance like when there's like a woman on tv who's like you know harmed her kids in some sort of way like I know that for so many people they're like I don't understand how someone could do that like that's just horrific like and I think when you are in your right mind they would also agree with you I and I mean correct me if I'm wrong but you can go into a place of psychosis if your depression if your postpartum depression is not treated to where you start having thoughts like this that you are just consciously unaware of to see from a logical place exactly yeah. That's exactly what happened. It's like, it takes over your, your mind and your body. And that's the thing. Sometimes like you, you need to get over potentially not wanting to take medication. Maybe temporarily you'll need it just to balance your hormones. Yeah. Um, sometimes even like you can try to do some light postpartum exercises, but for some women you can exercise and they still feel like total shit. Yeah. So it really, like, it really depends on, um, on everyone. Now, one thing I wanted to touch upon is the difference in the U S versus the time off after being in postpartum. Yeah. I love this. Let's talk about it. From the U S to like Europe, Middle East and whatnot. Okay. Like crazy. So in the US, you hear people get women get typically like what three months, maybe four months off, unless you're an entrepreneur and you can yeah. be and it's quite a process. Know. It's quite a process. Like I only know this from the pregnant women I worked with, but like you technically by the book, you get like two some places are like 48 hours, some places are a week, some places are two weeks, and then you have to file right. for FMLA. And so it's like all of these loot and you, and, and this is the most important part. You have to use your own PTO. So what you would typically use for a vacation or for sick time, you now during your pregnancy, if you get sick during your pregnancy, you're fucked because if you have to use your PTO time while you're pregnant, then that means that you can't use it at the end of your pregnancy. This is what's happening in a lot of corporate industries, companies in America and what I've witnessed firsthand and I'm working with healthcare professionals. Okay. So that's even worse. <laughs> yeah. But keep going. Cause I'm so interested to hear this. So now I'm, I'm from Israel now, since I'm from the middle East, I can say that my cousins, for instance, they were able to get up to seven months off paid paid okay seven months paid I believe in France you get you get close to a year yeah I've heard in Europe in some places you get almost a year yeah so imagine like that's how fucked the U.S. is okay postpartum we really that's something that has to change yes Yeah. And like, I mean, honestly, I'm really ignorant on this and like, I'm, I'm going to start educating myself, but I mean, who do we write to? Do we write to like a congressman? Do we write to our Senate? Like how the hell do we start battling up against this stuff? All of it. Yeah. I think all of it too. I would literally say all of it. Yeah. Um, But the best thing right now is we have that education to know what's going on. So it's in fruition. And I believe changes will be made. I do too. I do too. And I think, I think it's like more women just have to educate themselves so that they know, so that they can feel empowered to have these types of conversations and start to stand up to these organizations. Because as long as women are uneducated on truly what's happening with their bodies, 
like not much is going to change. And also on top of that, like, I really invite men to step into this conversation. Like I was just going to say, yeah, like I really have, I'm someone who does not hold back when I'm having female conversations in front of men. Like I will openly talk about my period. I will openly talk about having my cycle start. Like, I think that we have to start normalizing this kind of stuff around men so that men feel more comfortable having these conversations. Any guy I've ever dated, I've educated him more on a woman's body than he's ever experienced in his life. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, because I think that it's so important, I think that it's important for men to understand so that they can see the injustices that are happening to us so that they can stand behind us and say, something has to be done here. Right. Right. When, so you just brought up like, uh, if, if, okay, so whether you are in a heterosexual relationship or even in a homosexual relationship, whatever relationship, any partnership, any partnership. Yeah. I really feel like it needs to be that both have time off mom. Yes. I would say the one that birthed the baby, I would say should have more time off, but also the partner shouldn't just have like, Oh, two weeks to a month off. Yeah. Um, cause it's important for the father like, or the other partner. I'm sorry. I'm just assuming I'm speaking from my own personal experience, of course. not appropriate, but the, your partner also should have to be able to, to have time to bond with the baby. Yeah. Like yeah, that is, imagine, go ahead. And imagine like your baby is teeny tiny, you know, like what are you supposed to do? You're they just expect you in the U.S. to be like, okay, boom, go back to work. <laughs> it's so wild to me. I I always felt so bad for the women I was working with because I could see them literally. Like, you know that meme where there's that girl and she has all of those formulas in front of her and she's like trying to figure shit out. I feel like that would be them trying to figure out like, okay, like, okay, I'm going to not, I'm not going to take any time off. I'm going to work all the way up until I absolutely can't stand it anymore. Right. I'm in, I'm in the nursing profession. So the work that I'm doing is physically, I am healthy and in shape and I'm hurting every day after work. Okay. So now you have a pregnant woman doing that same job up until the moment she can't take it anymore. Then she goes out for work and then she's using all of her vacation time. So then that following year, like she doesn't really, if she has to call out sick, if the baby gets sick, like if she gets sick or like, that's it. Like there's no more paid time. Exactly. That, that is like one topic. It's so fucked. It's so fucked. And it makes me so incredibly sad. Um, And I really hope that the U S does something about this in the future, because it's honestly, it's the patriarchy. Yep. It's, it's a system ran by men who have no idea what it's like to be inside of a woman's body, who are uneducated on a woman's body because they are not funding this kind of stuff. Right. I'm, I'm kind of smirking right now because I'm thinking about, have you ever seen that video where they put the electro magnetic thingies on? Yeah. The cramps thing. Yes. To make them see how it feels to have cramps. Well, there's one also where they could show them how it feels to have a contraction. Oh, I love that. Oh, guys, if you've not seen it, go YouTube it. It's so funny. One of my my ex-boyfriends used to make fun of me. He'd be like, you're so sick. Like you want men to suffer. And I'm like, I, that is not true. Okay. I want to clear that up. I do not want men to suffer, but what I do want is for men to experience a little bit of what women experience, because sometimes I think experience is really the only way for you to truly understand what something feels like. Exactly. Yeah. So that's just like a little, a little fun. Yeah. Okay. I have one more question. Well, actually I have a few more questions, but I want to dive into the next question because we could stay on this topic for a while. Did you want to add anything else to that? No, I'll go, I'll go along as you ask me questions. Okay. Or, okay, so I obviously I've mentioned this before multiple times on this podcast. I have been clinically diagnosed with chronic depression. I've suffered with, from depression for most of my life on and off. 
I'm very good about understanding like what it looks like, how it manifests, what I'm supposed to do. Like I've gotten real, it's like having any other chronic condition, you kind of know how to manage it. A lot of women though, that's not their experience, right? Maybe they're experiencing depression for the first time after they have a baby. So I want to speak to those women for a second, because I want you to talk about how, how postpartum depression can manifest in someone and what are the signs and symptoms for not only them, but for their loved ones to look for? So see, that's sometimes could be a tough one. And the reason why I say that is because I've been around postpartum women that will go about their day smiling, laughing, and little do you know that at the end of the night, they're going crawling in a ball and being like hysterically crying. So it's like regular depression. You just don't know if someone's suffering. You, you really, some people you will know, and some people you will not know unless they Someone like me who I've had the experience on both ends, I can tell, I can easily tell if someone is depressed and going through it. Um, something simple as just really body language, yeah. things that you tell me, if I see whether you're really tired or mumbling words, forgetting things, there's a couple of things that you can look out for. But for a lot of people, they don't know and they won't know unless that person says something or unless they, unless they actually see the person huddled up in bed, I'm sure people's partner can see them crying or sometimes they don't. Sometimes I know postpartum women going in the shower and just crying. Yeah. And I think, listen, like I can speak from this on personal experiences. Like sometimes when you're suffering from depression, it can feel very um, like you don't want to be a burden on the people right. that you love. Like you're like very much like, I know that I'm being a Debbie Downer. I know like I'm living in my own head. I know how like warped this is. And so I think that a lot of people sometimes, and I'm assuming it's very similar with postpartum depression is like, you're feeling all of these emotions and feelings, and you're having these thoughts that maybe you're not necessarily proud of and ashamed about. And like, it feels really unsafe to say those things out loud because you don't know how the other person is going to receive it. If they're going to judge you, I mean, based off of what kind of traumas you've been through in your life. I mean, listen, women were locked away and diagnosed with hysteria back in the day and shock therapy was used on them just for having postpartum depression. Right. So like, there's also a lot of like generational trauma that's happening here as well. And I think you're right. I think that this is a conversation that needs to happen before you're in the crisis. Like maybe have a conversation with your friends and your partners about like what the warning signs are like, like, feeling safe about discussing these things, like having your partner and your friends feel comfortable enough to like, say to you, like have a check-in every few weeks, like, Hey, how are you feeling mentally? How are you feeling emotionally? Like, is there anything I can do for you or any of those thoughts coming up? Like, exactly. I think that is, and I, and I think what you hit on is so spot on. Like, and I'm so glad you said that, that like, sometimes you can't tell. Like oftentimes Mm -hmm. when people find out, like I was on antidepressants for six plus years. And when people find out that they're always like, what? I can't believe that you're like the most outgoing, like spontaneous, like, you know, whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, I don't let depression define me. Like, it's not who I am, but like, it's something that I suffer with just like I have endometriosis, but it's not my entire identity. So like, I think that, you know, you hit the nail spot on is like, don't assume we don't assume we ask. And like by asking, we have to be very direct with people who are having depression. Like what's going on? Why are you hiding away? You're safe to talk to me, right? Are there resources for women who don't necessarily feel safe? Of course. I mean, you can speak to a therapist. You can Some people honestly don't also want to speak to a therapist. I highly suggest to speak to a therapist. Um, I would honestly even speak to a life coach. (laughs) That's just me, guys. That's just me. Yeah. 
No, I mean, some uh, people prefer that. Some people prefer, there are definitely coaches out there that specialize in this stuff. And I always, I, I personally always tell my clients, if you're moving through something, you know, super traumatic, I always like refer them out to a therapist, but I do think that there are people that are fully educated in this kind of stuff. I mean, you yourself are one of them. Like you see this stuff firsthand all the time and no one can convince me. Otherwise life experience is the best teacher. I want to learn from people who have gone through it. I want to know the people who have gone through it, like what they do. Right now. One of the things that I'm glad you brought up is how some women can feel like a burden. Yeah. And they don't necessarily want you to know that they're going through postpartum depression. Um, That's another thing, honestly, that I've seen firsthand. And honestly, it, it breaks my heart because I'm like, you are not a burden. You're absolutely not a burden. And if there's anything that I can do to support you, I'm there, whether yeah. it's just sitting next to you and listening to you yeah, or just sitting and not saying a word. So you have me there. Um, oh, that's huge because people who have depression, like we don't have the energy to put on sometimes. So like, that's also why right. we hide away because it's like, well, we don't have the energy. So we'd rather just hide away until we feel better. So like, that's beautiful. Like you don't have to yeah. say anything. Like, I'm just going to sit in the room with you and scroll on my phone or watch your baby or like clean your house. And you can just sit there. Like, you don't have to say anything. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I love that. And you don't even have to tell me also to go do a dish or go do something. I'll give you a great example. Uh, I have a friend of mine who's a single mom of two and um, something just as simple as rather than even asking, just doing. So I knew she needed help with the dishes one day. I got on it. I didn't expect her to, not that she would, she would never like ask me, but I went on and did it. And then another time she was carrying a bunch of things. I was like, no, let me get that for you. Yeah. Just it's just the little things that really add up. Add up. Yeah. And they will thank you for it. They they are totally grateful for it, even if they may not say that they are. Um, yeah. I love that so much. What are some precautions? I mean, we've spoken a little bit about obviously like having open-ended conversations, like learning, educating yourself, like, you know, knowing that it could possibly happen to you, but like, what are some other precautions that people could take in order to prevent postpartum depression? Like you and I, I think we've spoken about like placenta capsules before. Is that been proven to help? Yes. Placenta encapsulation has so many, many benefits. Um, you're talking breastfeeding. So when you're breastfeeding, it helps with your milk production. Um, it helps with your healing. It helps regulate your hormones too, right? That's exactly what I was just going to say. Yeah. Yeah. It helps regulate your hormones. Um, and all of these benefits really go a long way. Now, some women are like, ew, the thought of eating my placenta, you know, and then there's other women that are like, hell yeah you know I'll, I'll put that shit in my smoothie or i'll get it encapsulated. i'm other women <laughs> i would be like fuck yeah grill it cook it up i'll eat it if that's what i need to do to not feel sad i'll do it <laughs> no but listen i get it so what are some alternatives that women can do for the placenta pills like you can freeze dry the your placenta right and send it off for them to encapsulate it so what you do is um essentially me as your doula would go pick up your placenta from the hospital after you give birth mm-hmm. and then we dehydrate it we'll do you just put that it, thing do you put that thing in the front it. seat with you like do you just take that thing out in a bag it's like in a cooler you put it in a cooler it has okay, to be in then, a cooler and then you strap it in the front seat you strap it in the front seat <laughs> and uh okay really and you funny, take it yeah. home you take it home, you wash it, you have to sanitize the space. Um, and then you, after you wash it, you chop it up real nice, put it in a dehydrator machine and you get it to a certain temperature where it dries it mm-hmm. and then you encapsulate it. 
Wow. I think that's so incredible. Mm -hmm. So for all you girlies who think it's just for like holistic witches who like want to eat their own placenta, it's not. It's for everyone. (laughs) It is for everyone. Any other holistic tips that you can think of that would help people prevent? Because I know not everybody's Western. There's herbs also that you can take. Now, with the herbs, I don't want to get too into it because again, like medically, I can't say much. Um, So you could do your own research and you'll see that there are some herbs that will help you um, holistically. But again, like for some people, it's just such an imbalance that the herbs can only do so much for you. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then healing. So then that leads us into the Western side of things. So I, this is why I think this podcast came at a perfect time because the, you know, that the medication just got dropped for postpartum depression and basically it's just a high dose antidepressant. Correct. If I read up on it correctly. Right. Okay. And like all antidepressants, they're supposed to be used short term, you know, antidepressants from what I've understood and from what I've used in my own life is they are to kind of get you back to an equilibrium to where then you can function on your own. So you have to gain coping skills along the way. Right. Um, what do you know about that pill? Like, what do you want to say about it? Like, you know, whatever. So I've been seeing two sides to it. I have moms that I see that are like, what the F I would never do this um, because one, there's not enough research. It really just came out. Yeah. And you also need to know what, how does it differentiate between a regular antidepressant to this quote unquote magical postpartum depression pill? Also, just like any other antidepressant, there are also side effects. So yeah. this you know, there's nausea and there's diarrhea and there's, um, sweats and all these other things that I was reading about. So, and mood fluctuations. I mean, I have, I have a friend right now who's trying to find an antidepressant that works. I mean, trying to find, yeah. And trying to find an antidepressant that works for her. And the first few she was on made her feel absolutely worse than she did before. So yeah, that's a possibility. Yeah. So it's something that if you are interested in, I would say, speak to your provider and see what your provider thinks about it. Yeah. Um, Do your research. And if it's something that you feel drawn to, by all means. Yeah, for sure. Um, Me personally, I would rather have more research backed up before having a doctor prescribe that. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I feel like in the United States, medicine gets passed like so willy-nilly, like too way too easy. Girl, yes. Without having proper research. I'm also, you know, I'll be perfectly honest, like antidepressants saved my life. Like I probably would not be on this planet still if at some point I did not take antidepressants. So I definitely, if you are at that point, like please speak to someone about it. Like there is no shame in asking for help. With that being said, I now manage my depression without any medication and there are still moments of discomfort. I've just developed a lot of coping skills and mechanisms to move through that. Um, So I do think that there is a level of discomfort that comes with depression that you are able to move past and move through. Right. And I can, I can also attest to that because I've also been on antidepressants and I've had my moments of depression um, where it really also, it saved my life. It really helped me in certain moments that I needed it. And then when it was time and I was ready to get off, I was able to get off. So there's no shame in that. Yeah. And I also think like why we're on that topic, I just want to briefly touch on like coming off antidepressants is also not an easy journey. You know, your brain, your brain chemistry has to adjust. And so, you know, I, I want to be completely transparent about that. Like I, you know, you have to slowly titrate off of these things for your body to kind of balance itself out again. 
listen, we're supplying you with all of the information you do what feels best for you. But I think it's important for us yeah. like to be transparent with people. Yeah. Okay. I think I've asked you everything. <laughs> I mean, like, I, you know, like, I, you know, I got questions. <laughs> I'm here to answer them. Um, Really quickly yeah, though, like, definitely. will you tell people the services that you do offer? Cause I think like Shira is such an amazing doula and she has educated me so much and like what it entails, like what it's about, like what kind of services can you give to people and also like tell them where you're located and where you're willing to travel to? If someone is hearing this and is like, I want to talk to that chick. <laughs> of course. So I am in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm a birth and postpartum doula. I do travel between LA and New York. So if you're in those areas, definitely let me know. Um, and those of you who have subscribed and are listening, I'm offering $150 off my birth package. Ooh. So if you would like, um, and what's included in your birth package. So that's a great question. I offer birth photography. I offer placenta encapsulation. I offer hypnobirthing, labor positioning, three prenatal appointments, what else have I touched upon everything? We talk about your birth plan. We discuss who your provider is, the whole bit, everything to prepare you and educate you during your pregnancy and during labor and postpartum so that you feel as ready as possible to take everything on. I love that so much. Yeah. I love this so much. I've been, ever since I met you, I've been telling everyone that they need a doula. I've always like been, a <laughs> I, so I was telling this to Shira the first time I ever met her, I was like, I literally thought that a doula was like something that like I would hire, like, like that's who I would hire, right. To give birth, like in my living room, in a bathtub with like tub, no, yeah, you said. no medication. Like I thought like with crystals everywhere, I thought that's what a doula was. And what I'm learning is that a doula is really there to educate you and to inform you. And it reminds me a lot about nursing, right? Like you're advocating for them and right. you're supplying them with information that, um, you know, you don't necessarily get in the hospital. So I want to talk on one more thing and then we're going to end the call, but yes. can we talk about giving birth on your back in American hospitals? Because when I learned about how terrible this is mm. and where it stemmed from, which is so fucking terrible, I was just blown away. Yup. Oh, girl, you get me in like a whole other episode about this. Oh, boy. Yeah. So you got to think about it when you're on your back. And a baby is trying to go through your vaginal canal. As you're pushing, the baby is hitting your pelvic wall. So I'm trying to like <laughs> do my hand. You need like one of those like model <laughs> vaginas right now. Yeah. Like the pelvic floor ones. <laughs> I totally do. I'm like, I can't even like show you guys how to do it. But um, put it this way. It's just not just not good right you're <laughs> not, you're not basically not workable you're going against resistance and that's why the majority of women rip exactly. on top of that I just want to let you know from a feminist perspective that this whole idea of giving birth on your back actually originated from one of the king, king. Henry's, yep. right who wanted to witness his wife give birth so he made her lie on her back women yep. before that traditionally were squatting um, you know, doing all different types of positions, not lying on their back. And that has unfortunately been passed on from generation to generation. And now women are still giving birth in a way that is most damaging to them right. and harmful to their bodies. And I mean, possibly the baby, right? Like it makes it more of a struggle. It does. It does. Especially if the woman gets an epidural and she can't really feel as she's pushing, 
So that's where us doulas come in and we could show you different positions and work with the hospital staff as a whole birth team, if it's at a hospital and not at home or a birthing center, so that we can give you the best knowledge on how to move so that your baby can come down with more ease, much easier. Exactly. So can women give birth on their back? Even, I mean, can women give birth in other positions if they've had an epidural or is the back the only option? You can. So there's two things like with an epidural, you can do an epidural where they only give you a small dose of it. Mm -hmm. So it numbs you, but not fully. And most women probably don't even know they can ask for that. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there's your, I want to say traditional epidural where you get like the whole part of your bottom down numb. Now, the thing that we could do as doulas and the nurse can help as well. If it's at a hospital, well, it would only be at a hospital because we don't do epidurals at a home birth. Right. Um, But there is a a bar that you could put over the bed mm-hmm. and she can hold on to the bar as she's squatting. I love that. Yeah. So I feel like so many women needed to hear that because I bet you so many women are thinking I can't give birth any other way, but on my back, because I have to have an epidural because I can't handle the pain. Oh yeah. No. And even if you don't have the bar, you can get assisted to move still in a squatting position. I, again, like, how do I explain it through the, through the mic, but it doesn't matter. They can hire you. Yeah, 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 (laughs) exactly. Hire me. I'll show you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. If you want to know, hire her. Shira, I think this was so educational. Like I have been telling you from the moment I met you that I feel like so many women need to hear this information and this knowledge. And I'm so happy that this week you decided that you really wanted to talk about postpartum depression because it it literally came at divine timing, like right as that pill was announced, like it yeah. could not have been totally more perfect. I'm so, so, so happy to have spoken about this. And there's so much more to still even discuss, but you guys have at least gotten the nitty gritty of it. And if you have any questions, make sure you guys subscribe and comment and let us know. And reach out to Shira. Her information will be in the show notes below. And just a little brief uh, moment for myself. I am launching. I was just going to say. Yeah, I am launching an ebook um, this Sunday. It is called The Beginner's Guide to Empowered Living. These are literally the foundational key concepts and skills that I use in my own life to move through change, through move through challenging times, to get myself unstuck. If you want to get that ebook and you want to be on that exclusive email list, head over to my Instagram, DM me. I'll put you on the list. The link is also in my bio. And I think that's it for today. Yay. Please subscribe, comment, give us five stars. We're excited to be doing this work for you and we'll see you next week. See you next week, guys.